Hey everyone, this is Maddie Kay and this is The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. Y'all need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. You stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his toenails at his desk. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Hey, everyone. This is Maddie Kay, and I'm here with... Near John. And this is a, another edition of the podcast, The Working Experience. And I'm sure of our all of our listeners have been waiting in frustration and with bated breath for another edition because, yeah, you know, a lack of sleep. they uh, don't know how to live their lives until <laughs> what decisions to make. I, I say right now, whatever job you're working, whether you're making 50000 or 500000 quit. Go in and quit. Just quit and do what you love to do. And I think that's um, a, a good um, thought. It's a plan. <laughs> it's a good value proposition because this is the uh, this is the last day of, of 2017. Quit. You want to you want to burst into the new year. Quit. Just fresh. Yep. Uh, no uh, no attachments. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no. No, tell your kid. You might have to tell your kids no more private school, no more skiing. We're gonna have to cut back on the food, the heat. Yeah, you know, you, um, you, you, you camp outside. Move yeah. in with the parents, maybe. You know, but just quit. Not only quit. Tell your boss to go f himself. Threaten him or her. Threaten their family. <laughs> you know, yeah, go. If they try to try to offer you a severance. No, forget it. Take that as an insult. That's... <laughs> Tear the check up right in front of them. Be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing. It's like uh, it's kind of easy to wax poetic on on this podcast, and uh, I certainly come from a very comfortable upper middle class background. I have not had to to you know scrabble. My parents paid for all of my college, and uh, and they contributed a bunch to my getting my master's degree. So you know. That thought just occurred to me. It's It's been probably a lot easier for me than it has been for a lot of people. I'm certainly not an up-from-your-bootstraps person. So, you know, people are... they, And we've talked about this. The difference between somebody who's just grateful to have a job that will cover their rent, will pay for the heat, will put food on the table, maybe a little bit in savings. And job fulfillment doesn't matter. It's like... I need, you know, you got to earn a paycheck. So, right, right. you know, it's easy to sort of, uh, I, I guess I thought of this. I just finished the book Into the Wild. I don't know if you read that or saw the movie. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, and the kid just, uh, you know, took off into the wilderness, burned his money. He came from a pretty affluent family. And from what you read in the book, I mean, you know, I guess his father could be kind of a hard ass and stuff like that, but... Um, it was just interesting, a lot of the mixed reviews that people had on him doing that, you know, like just sort of taking off and, uh, 
you know, leaving everything behind. Of course, he died unexpectedly. I don't think he was planning on that, and neither does the author. But just it, it's almost sort of like only a, a a wealthy person could think up something like that, <laughs> you know, to like like you you remember the movie Full not Full Metal Jacket Platoon, yes, and the guy uh, Charlie Sheen's character says, well, you know, I dropped out of college and joined up to fight and one of the other guys is like, you dropped out of college for this? And he's like, well, you know, the poor kids shouldn't just be the ones to go off to fight. And one of the other guys goes, you got to be rich in the first place to think like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like a lot of these really foolish things, I guess, are, you know, uh, kind of dreamed up by people with means and whatnot. So... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it makes it good or bad. It's just, I, I suppose it's something to acknowledge. Yeah. Well, because my brother and I were talking about, uh, we did a podcast and he lived in Breckenridge a couple of years before I did, Breckenridge, Colorado. And he worked, you know, for the cafeteria at the the lodge there, the mount for the mountain, and they provided housing. And it was like, something out of the grapes of wrath it was like four guys in a one-bedroom apartment and he he lived it he out of seniority he got the closet you aspired to the closet like that was that was a good thing because it was a big walk-in closet with a sliding door which was basically big enough for a mattress but at least you had some privacy you know you could shut the door to the closet so, <laughs> like, and, you know, his, the people he lived with, like, two of them were just these really, like, I hesitate to use the term white trash, but they were just, like, there's this whole, and, and I'm not saying everybody who was doing this was, but there's this whole, like, population of people who just, like, they're seasonal employees, they kind of drift from one place to another, like, Paul was just doing it for a season to ski bum, and then he was going to come back, and... He obviously, like myself, has a big safety net. But these other people, I mean, the two guys were total, like, alcoholics, had a lot of problems. One guy had warrants for his arrest and dif different states and whatnot. But there's a whole population of people who just kind of move from job to job and they work in kitchens or they wait tables or sometimes they have some kind of skill set, um, which may be like a, like a chef or something. But it's just a whole group of these people. Like, that's it. Like, that. that's, like, one of these yeah, guys was, yeah, he was, like, 35 years old, and this was it. And, you know, this is what he did. And he eventually quit his job and pulled a fire alarm and got kicked out of the company housing and all this stuff, you all know. Stuff. Yeah, so. Um, but anyway, we were going to talk about... Uh, so you, you've hired people for jobs. You've interviewed people for jobs? Correct, yes. Yeah, so I've never been on that end of it. I've always been the uh, the plebe on the other side of the desk trying to, to desperately not say something stupid. Um, so I read in Forbes, this had some... Uh, it had nine things to not say about yourself. Or what is this, my list here? Ten things to never say about yourself in a job interview. So number one was, I'm a results-oriented person. Oh, no, I'm a results-oriented professional. 
So you shouldn't say that. Uh, does that create some sort of cheesy impression or something? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, in, in the job hiring process is you're really looking for, um, or at least I'm looking for someone who is um, intelligent, who's, um, you know, down to earth, uh, who will work hard and will, um, uh, you know, I hate to use the word team player, <laughs> but it's really somebody who will get along with other people. Yeah, and you know, in the trenches, get the work done. Right. It's, I'm not, I'm not always looking for the um, you know I'll take a hard worker over an Einstein any day of the week. Yeah. Um, and just someone who, um, who, who kind of I mean I guess the thing is not. I'm not looking to hire a crazy person. Right. I mean, it sounds so um, so simple, but you'd be surprised <laughs> at the people that you know you know you come in contact with. Um, you're just looking for someone who's got common sense, who can get, who gets it, and 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 then it also depends on what position I'm, I'm hiring for. You know, is it a creative position? Um, who they've worked with in the past? Uh, check their references, um, you know, and someone who won't, you know, who won't, who won't cause me like a headache, you know, <laughs> and, and work, it works well with the team. Uh, yeah, I, I won't tell this whole podcast, but my friend Mike Aronson, who, um, he's an electrician in the film industry, film and television, and he was describing this guy in his mid-40s, he'd been recently divorced, and... Um, the gaffer was the kind of person who, who wanted people on set. Like he wanted people around, especially when they call cut, adjust lights, this and that. And this guy would never be around. They, they couldn't get him on the walkie or anything. And then Mike went back to the truck and found him curled up on the sound blankets crying. <laughs> and the, and this guy is a, a union member. Like, he has a skill set. You know, he knows how to do the electrical work. But another time he found him in his car screaming at his ex-wife on the phone. So, like you say, you like, yeah, you want somebody who's not crazy. And you would think, well, yeah, that's obvious. But this guy was severely bipolar. Like, some days he was Johnny on the spot, so eager to do everything. And then two hours later, he's in a downward spiral, and yeah. you know, you just can't work yeah, with someone you know, like it's, that. It's uh, it's tough. I've worked with people like that. It, it's it's you know it's you know it's, it's also just just a ton of drama when you don't need drama. No, you know I mean? no, no, no. That that irritates me a lot. It's just sort of like, look, you were hired to do this job. I understand everybody has a personal life and things come up, but. You know, it, I guess in in your when you say creative, some people sort of equate creative with sort of crazy, not very reliable. So it's hard to find that person who is creative, but also understands it's a business and things have to get done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, crazy doesn't, you know, equate to creative. No, creative no. doesn't equate to, to uh, crazy. Yeah. It's a, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, I expect, you know, um, 
you know, I'm open to debate. I'm open. I'm open to fights. You know, if someone really, you know, feels strongly about, um, you know, a design or a look or or what have you. Uh, but there's a way to have constructive debate, and then there's the the other way, the other path right. of screaming, hitting people, throwing <laughs> stuff. I I would avoid the latter. Well, you know, it's interesting because, like, Anthony Bourdain in his book Kitchen Confidential, and I've, I've presented this to students, um, he says, like, I don't want some sort of person who graduated from the Culinary Institute of America who thinks they're a creative genius. Like, I want someone who shows up on time and will chop 50 pounds of carrots exactly the way I tell them to do it night after night after night after night. Like, I don't want to hear about your latest creation. I've got 400 meals to get out. Like, you know, and I found that in the film industry too. It's like, you'd get this PA who had graduated from NYU who wanted to tell you about his thesis project. And I'd be like, not me or, or someone else would be like, can you go fill up the cooler with water? It's 90 degrees out. Like, that's your job. Like one guy I remember acquired the nickname Film School <laughs> because he kept hanging around the truck talking about movies and this and that. And then the, the AD or the key PA, his boss, would come by and be like, listen, I told you, know, you need to go over there and do this and that. And then after a while, it was like, hey, Film School, go empty the garbage like I told you to. And it's like. Yeah, bro, like, maybe when we go out for a couple of beers after work, we can talk film theory, but you got to get it done. Yeah, you got you to gotta get it done. Yeah. And I, I think I, I, I've spoken about this, but, the, you know, hiring in, you know, in the media, TV industry, film industry, you know, eh, someone fresh out of a, a top-notch film school program, eh, no, no thanks. So I, I, would, <laughs> I would definitely agree with this guy travis he uh there was some shoot on long island and like the the weather was bad i think it snowed and the train had to stop and the guy walked like two miles to get to the set and the key pa was like that's the guy i'm going to hire like that's who i want (laughs) who's willing to do that and you know he was just a really hard worker like he always was on point he you know, he was a PA, like he didn't know that much, but I, I always remembered him and I saw him on other jobs because he was just like Johnny on the spot. Like whatever you needed, he got, he didn't talk much. Nice guy, you know, intelligent. And I think he's done well for himself. So it's not rocket science. So number two was when someone says, I'm a hard worker. And, and they just yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> That's what I like. I would just say, I'm a hard worker. Bang, done. Um, 
Number three was I'm an editor slash writer slash producer slash web designer. I guess the point of this was like, what do you actually do? Like, what is your skill? You know? Yeah. The, the, old, the old jack of all trades, I can do it all. Yeah. I can do one thing well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Although, I don't know. And this, that's the thing with all these lists. Like, you find all of these that sort of, like, I've heard a lot of things that have, that contradict this and say, well, you've got to be able to do the, you know, in this day and age. So, I don't know. Maybe sometimes that is a, a selling point. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it, it's you know all all these like these top ten lists are kind of or top five lists are kind of bullshit. I'm be I'll be honest with you. It's just a <laughs> it, it's just a way to, to get you. It's like almost clickbait, so you can click on this and you can figure out what you should say and what you shouldn't say. I mean, the best piece of advice would be just to be normal. You know, just, be, just to just to act yourself. Don't put on. Um, you know, a ruse or, or an act is most people will see right through it because you're not the first interview that, right. or interviewee that has sat before that person. You well, know, they've seen it all before. Well, these are the ones I like. Uh, I'll just run down them quick just to say these things. I'm a leader in my field. That's not true. I am nationally, <laughs> I am nationally recognized and world renowned. Um, that's not true. Uh, and if you have to tell the person that, then you're probably not, you know, <laughs> like if you have, I, of course I'm nationally recognized, but the person's like, if you have to say I'm creative, this one was good. I'm a guru, a maven, an expert in my field, guru. I like that. Um, I'm a change agent and number, <laughs> number 10 was I'm a disruptor. So... At that point, I would probably lean over and clear everything off the person's desk who was interviewing me just to show them I'm a disruptor. So there you go. Uh, I, number eight kind of jumped out at me because with the advent of YouTube, there are a lot of self-styled gurus out there. Ah, uh, the old guru. Life coach, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh seems to be well we were talking about the self-help book industry which seems to be styled on this as well yeah it's uh you know it's the old magic pill it's the, the snake oil salesman here's the quick easy way out you know and you know sometimes you've got to just uh you got to fight through it you know you gotta you gotta deal with it no i i kind of like the pill in the easy yeah, way I out. Like the pill. <laughs> I like the pill. You like, yeah. you like to just think about it and then it will appear? Well, you know, it it's uh what was, yeah, that was actually one of the things. It was um it was five things you must quit doing to be successful. This is another one of these lists. And number five was quit thinking everything is going to work out on its own. I, I've based my entire life on that. <laughs> It'll work out. It's fine. <laughs> no problem. But yeah, I don't... Uh, uh, well, there's also five ways to be a more likable employee. This is a pretty good one. Uh, number one, smile more and acknowledge your coworkers when you see them. Um, number two, take more time to get to know your colleagues. 
Number three, spend more time asking what others think. Number four, be more helpful around the office. And number five, give more compliments. So there you go. You'd be a more likable nice. employee. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. So, um, well, you were talking about, uh, I have not read the article, I will confess, but it was something about um, millennials paying a quarter of a million dollars uh, for an education and not really getting the bang for their buck when they graduate. Yeah, you know, it was essentially the, um, you know, the job market, you know, it's the, um, it, it's this, this societal story that we tell young people that, you know, go to, go to a good college, work really hard, go to a good college and, you know, get good grades, you'll graduate, and you'll get a great job. And the reality is that that's, that's just, that story is not playing out. And, you know, young, young uh, people are going into extraordinary debt like unforeseen we've never seen this before and they're coming out and they're having a hard time finding a job and you know kind of living out that you know that that story um and it's uh you know and it's a very interesting article like what um you know what it what it takes to you know get a college degree now from a top university um, where the, the uh, tuitions are going through the roof and you, you know, you, young people have to take on more and more debt. Uh, they're then saddled with this debt when they, when they come out and those, those um, high paying jobs are few and far between. So then they'll, um, you know, they'll work at, you know, uh, Walmart but, you know, they'll work for almost for minimum wage because there's literally the competition is so stiff for those finite amount of jobs. And it's creating this, uh, the, you know, this general disillusionment among, you know, the, the younger generation of, um, you know, of this of this story of this promise. That's just it doesn't have a happy ending. And yet colleges are continuing to raise tuitions. Uh, they're they're building um, you know stadiums, football stadiums. They're building uh, larger and larger buildings, and they're raising um, you know tuitions. Yeah, and I I just I I guess what what I've been hearing you know on outlets mostly like NPR because that's what I listen to in the car generally. Um, the model is not fitting the job market. Like, the model of college is so outdated um, that it's just not fitting what people are, the skill set people need today. Like, and I don't agree with all of this. Like, there's been a real downturn in the liberal arts. And I'm an English teacher, so I, I think it's a, it's a real shame. I mean, I think, like, those lessons you can learn reading novels and things like that really do help people deal with the real world if you if you read it i hate to say read it right but if you really look for those lessons but again you know we graduated from college in 1996 very very different world and you know as i've said my background is such that you know i didn't think too much about the practical considerations but 
you I, I remember you remember Dan Carey our yes. all right yeah I ran into him when I was a senior uh we had just started senior year and I was in Manhattan and I was with my brother and somebody else and um I just ran into him on the street he was working at some bank and he said what's your major and I said history and he said yeah I'd hire a history major because it, it just like like you said like in they would hire people who were well, I'm not saying I'm smart, but like the, it, it didn't kind of matter what your degree was. If you could learn to do what they do, if you were intelligent and you could learn, which is a lot different than training. Like a lot of education now is focusing on training. Like we're going to train you to write code. We're going to train you to do this. As opposed to I can learn, like, I understand how to learn. I metacognate is what we call it in the education world. Um, it's like, it's like how, how, to, how to, what's your process? How do, how do you think? How do you think? You know, how do you tackle problems as right. opposed to, you know, group memorization? Well, I would very much equate my experience being a grip because I was 30 years old and I'd never really done any jobs that were, you know, like uh, skilled labor, I would call them. I mean, I'd done grunt work stuff, you know. But when I became a grip, like, yeah, I had to, you know, first under, I had to memorize what the equipment was. If someone asked me for a Cardellini clamp, I had to know what that was. Then you have to kind of understand what it does. And then you do start to, after a couple of years, like, oh, okay, we're going to be outside. Then I know, let's get the frames out. Let's get the 12 buys out. We're going to have to tie those down, get the sandbags. You know, like, you, you learn. Like, you learn how to do it. And that was a very valuable experience for me because it's like, you can learn and you can get better at things. Not, it's not intuitive for me. I would never be an expert at it, but I got good enough. Whereas, I remember in my master's program, there was a guy named Ken who worked for the Department of Defense up here. And they designed... He had a background in chemistry and physics. Really, really smart guy. And he wanted to be a teacher. He was about 50. He wanted to change his career. But he said in his division, he was a manager of a division. And he's like, I have 12 people who know how to do their job specifically. But when it comes to the broader picture, they can't, they have a lot of trouble functioning because they've been trained to do this one very specific thing. And he said, I, I need someone who sees, like, the bigger picture. And, you know, again, like, sometimes you need people who are trained to do this one specific thing and do it expertly, and that's what you need. But it does limit your, your it limits your scope, I guess, of what you think you might want to do with your life. Right. Yeah, no, it's, you know, the old, like, thinking outside the box. Um yeah, you know, it's, you know, and that's, you know, going back to, you know, hiring, that's what you're looking, you know, you're looking at, you're looking for people who can, you know, add, add that extra, extra value. It's like, you know, how they process information, like not just, not just root memorization, you know, right. um, and it's like, and then learning a process and then, you know, figuring out a more efficient or better way to do that same process. Yeah, and and then you want to know if you're actually going to be fulfilled at your job. Like right now, going to college, I wouldn't really recommend to anybody to be a history major. 
because I don't really know what you would do with that. I mean, most people think you're going to law school, and that's what people asked me constantly if I was going to go to law school. Probably, too, because my father was a lawyer, but, like, I'm like, no, I'm just sort of taking it because I like history. Like, I didn't really think too much about what I was going to do with it. And speaking of law school, you know, we were just talking about this before we started the podcast. I mean... There's, there was a woman in California who was suing her law school because she had never had a job. After three years or four years, she was suing for her tuition back. Which is, she lost, it got thrown out, but, I mean, that's... Yeah, but it's, it's you know, and it, and it goes back to, you know, um, that, you know, societal story. Of, like, you go, you go to school, you get a good job. It's like, and that's, that's not guaranteed. No. You know, there, there are professions out there like a like a plumber or uh, an electrician where you go into an apprenticeship. It might be five, six, seven, eight years, um, but then at the end of that, you get your license, and it's you know, it's uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a job that yeah, you know, houses, apartment buildings. I mean, population growth. It's it's a it's a very um, stable, lucrative field. Um, where you can earn a high hourly salary or you could go ahead and start your own business, uh, own plumbing or electrician business, where, you know, the um, going into into college, you know, even, you know, even even the legal track, even the medical profession track, where... um, you know, there's quote unquote these these guarantees. I mean, you're, you know, what what happens if you you know you go to undergrad, you you you've tacked on a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and then you go on to lead, uh, law school, and then you you, you top on another two hundred thousand. Now you're three hundred deep, and you you go into you know, let's say you get a job at a high high profile uh, law firm. And six months in, you realize you hate it. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 is uh, that's not a fun realization when you just blew three hundred grand to figure that out, right? Uh, or in the case of you know the the person that you know that is you know she could she couldn't find a job, so she she sues the the law school. Right. And right now, there's, uh, you know, I read an article that there's, there's just basically too many law students, um, and you know, that you, you've got this, you got these glut of lawyers, and you know, the the market is is just is just nasty. They don't doesn't care. You know, they're gonna um, law firms have no obligation to hire. A set amount of lawyers. They're all basing it on supply and demand based on the work. Yeah. Uh, and same goes with corporations. So, uh, and then those jobs become that much harder to get. There's more competition. Oh yeah. So on and so forth. So it, it's it, it's a it's a bitter cycle. Well, I remember my dad would complain that he hired. You know, he had a basically a, he had a partner for a while and then that guy left to become a judge and so it was just my father's practice and he hired on people to be associates and always had his eye out for somebody to become a partner uh which never happened i mean my father wasn't the easiest person to work for but uh but he said like they like he would tell them like listen i expect you 
to to get business like i'm not just going to hand you cases to work on like you know we need business coming in and they i mean a lot of times it was like nah man like i don't do that and it's like it's not a nine to five job like you need to like if you want to come in at 10 o'clock in the morning i don't care but like you know i need you out there getting work and you know you need to to hustle and yeah. he he had one guy this was great this guy i believe had graduated from harvard law school so he hires him so the guy's not really cutting the mustard like he was a nine to fiver like he'd be out the door at 505 and so one time it was right around thanksgiving he told him to prepare these interrogatories which are the questions for a deposition and um so the deposition or it was something for a trial so sometimes trials go sometimes they don't you know but you got to be ready because your case might be called so the guy said well you know is it okay if i take off wednesday or the friday after thanksgiving and you know my father said fine but just make sure you have those done well the guy left and he didn't have them done so they come back on monday and you know my father's really pissed he's like i told you to have these done and the guy said well i didn't think the case would go on monday and he's like how would you know that he's like i don't know that no one knows that they might call your case or they might not then it turns out the reason the guy i don't know how my father found this out the reason the guy took off was so he could play in an alumni basketball game (laughs) it was just like are you kidding me? Like, are, are you kidding me? And soon after that, he was gone. He was just like, listen, man, like, you spent all that money on law school and this is your attitude? Like, yeah. come on, dude. And I'm sure, and I know your business is not nine to five. Like, sometimes you guys are there for 16 hours if you have a deadline. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's the other thing. It's like, you know, you don't want, you know, and obviously they're, they're paid, you know, they're, everyone's all all employees all freelancers are paid for their time but i don't want someone you know moaning and grunting no i I usually make it up to them you know in the form of a shorter day or a bonus or extra pay or whatever but you know it's the nature of the gig it's the nature of business that it's not nine to five right i I don't i don't want someone crying in the corner right (laughs) see i would be under my desk whining and moaning and just pit and like yeah and i'd sort of do it but i would do it (laughs) half-assed you'd have to be checking on me all the time and what no like you're saying like don't don't bring me problems like don't you know i i don't i need solutions i don't need more problems like I got plenty of problems, but right, exactly. That, that's a good. That's a good point. Don't bring me problems. Yeah, but some people. That's and I guess that's why they have human resources because people bring their problems into. Do, oh, have you seen um the new David Brent thing? You know David Brent from The Office, the Ricky Gervais yes, character. Yes. He has a new. He had a new special on that I just watched. Where he goes on the road with his band, Foregone Conclusion. Like, he's still a sales rep. But he's uh, he's trying to get this band together. And it's pretty funny. It's worth watching. But one of the funnier... I'll, I'll check it out. What is it on? It's on Netflix. Oh, 
Netflix. Yeah, it's called the the road, like on the road or something like that. It's not called the office. But there was a great part where he gets called in by human resources about the jokes he's telling around the office. And he's being like purposefully obtuse, like not understanding why they're offensive, the jokes. It's a really good human resources interaction. Um, But yeah, I I think, I mean, teachers do it too. You know, like my day starts at 730, it ends at 215. But then there's a lot I have to do on my own. I have to correct papers. I have to plan lessons. So, and, and it's a jam-packed day. Like, I always have kids in front of me, and you're always doing a presentation. And most of these kids are not that interested in To Kill a Mockingbird or something like that. So, you know, it's a lot of, like, cattle prodding, and I got to be the cheerleader. And it's exhausting. Like, I got to steer the ship. But Right, right. But I enjoy it. I mean, I guess that's the difference. I enjoy it. And unfortunately, some teachers who teach, they don't enjoy it. Like, they complain about the kids constantly, and they complain about this and that. And I'm like, well, this is the job. I mean, like, if you don't like dealing with kids, that's what teaching is. That is specifically what it is. So, you know, um, but then I I do kind of resent when people say, well, you know, you only work until 2.15. I'm like, well, no. After two fifteen, I have a lot of work to do, but you know, and on the weekends and things like that. But I don't complain about it. I mean, I enjoy it. That that is my job, and you know, you just have to. Like, I think a lot of new teachers get really overwhelmed by paperwork and things like that, grading essays and lab reports, whatever it is you do. Because I have over a hundred students, so. But you know, like anything else, you get used to it, or or you don't, or you go find something else to do. So. Right. 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 Um, all right, I think we should, uh, should wrap this bad boy up. Okay. Yeah, that, we're about 37 minutes here. All right, everyone. So that was another edition of the, uh, working experience. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks everybody.